Hi, welcome to episode 570 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, located here in the unholy temple of podcasting. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today it's Fantastic Four 570 from October 2009. Solve Everything, Part 1, by the new creative team of writer Jonathan Hickman and artist Dale Eaglesham. So, I remember being so excited when this issue came out, mostly because I love the artwork of Dale Eaglesham. Or is it Dale Eaglesham? I'm not sure. He previously did a run on Justice Society, which I enjoyed a great deal, even though I have no affinity at all for the Justice Society characters. So I wasn't buying the Miller Hitch run on a monthly basis, but I did start buying it once again when issue 570 came out. And after the Miller Hitch run had these really terrible, strange covers with a weird, horrible logo and weird copy on the cover, like like it was a magazine magazine. But this issue, the old logo from the 1970s is back, which is very cool. It looks like a comic book again, and that stupid blog by Valeria is gone, thank goodness. The story starts with a flashback, a young boy standing up on his treehouse, and his father is standing down on the down below, he's telling his son to jump. He'll catch him. Oh, it's that time-honored tradition between fathers and sons. I remember doing that with my father, only he didn't catch me. In this case, the boy really does not want to jump. The father says, look at me. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to fail. But to say that you're not even willing to try, that's unacceptable, Reed. So this is Reed as a boy, and his father, who we haven't seen in a very long time, and in the past, Reed's dad was a big burly guy, like, he looks like a lumberjack. Reed eventually puts on his baseball cap and jumps. And we jump back to the year 2009, where the Fantastic Four are fighting some big purple and blue robot. The robot says, I am an instrument of fate. I have been created for a single purpose. I am Righteous Vengeance in robotic form. There seems to be four of these robots. Reed says that each one was designed to defeat a single member of the Fantastic Four. Reed gets wrapped up in coils from one robot, I guess the Reed fighting robot, but Ben steps in, he clobbers the Reed fighting robot in his robot face. You know, that's always the problem with having one robot for each member of the Fantastic Four. They can just switch it up and, and Ben can defeat Reed's robot. Johnny can defeat Ben's robot, etc. The robot cracks open, and they see a dude inside, and they recognize him as the wizard. They seem surprised. You know, when they saw that purple and blue color scheme, it should have been obvious who was involved. They start cracking open the other three robots to see who's inside those, and, uh... I was thinking it was going to be the, f the Frightful Four, but I was wrong. We see there's a wizard in each one, and we see the real wizard back in his lair, which is called an unholy temple of science. He seems disappointed that his robots were all easily defeated. You know, he, you would think he'd be used to it by now, 
back with the Fantastic Four. They're looking at these other at these other wizards. They're all clones. Reed notices glowing eyes on one of them. Now's a good time to mention this. But Reed and Johnny, since the last time we saw them last issue, have been majorly working out. I have never seen them so buff. They're huge. Reed opens the head of one of the wizards, which is a robot, or a clone, or robot clone. I don't know what he is exactly. So anyway, the robot, wait a minute. The robot, the wizard put robots inside his robots. Great idea. Actually, I was probably a, it was probably a terrible idea. What is the point of putting your robots inside of a robot? Reed says the robot, or the clone, has a plutonium-powered brain. Where did the wizard get plutonium? I guess, Libyans? And the plutonium brain is going to blow up. Reed says he's going to track it, and he teleports away. Turns out he's been teleported to the wizard's lair, and he sees all these other tubes filled with clone children all over the place. Reed says he's crazy, and the wizard needs to stop. The wizard says something about fixing God's mistakes. Reed wraps him up with an arm, telling him he's going to get him some help. So that was a short encounter with the wizard. He didn't put up much of a fight. He just got beat by the weakest member of the Fantastic Four, like a little bitch. It's later that night at the Baxter building. Reed is telling the kids a bedtime story about the wizard, about what happened that day. Basically, it's the least interesting adventure the FF have ever had. Somehow, that doesn't put them to sleep. Reed says that next time, he'll go back to his usual bedtime reading, reading from a book on the structure of scientific revolutions. So he puts the kids to bed, and he asks Valeria if the part about the bomb in that robot's head in that story scared her. She replies that she's three years old, and it's important for her to not spend time thinking about such things like that. And she turns on her alarm, which is one of those old-fashioned clocks with the actual bells on top. Oh, you know those alarms? I hate those alarms. They go off and they make you want to shit your pants. Why would a three-year-old kid use an old-fashioned clock like that? So Reed carries Franklin to his room, and Franklin asks Reed what happened to that little clone boy he found in the wizard's lab. Reed says the authorities will find the kid a new home. Oh, that's going to be easy. Who doesn't want to adopt the clone of a dangerous supervillain? Johnny's playing a game with Ben, where he's got these three envelopes, each with a special vacation inside. Ben has to pick one, which he does. Johnny opens it up, and it's a three-day, two-night stay on New World with Johnny Storm, along with a fruit basket and a selection of scented oils and other fine bath products. Wow. Johnny really knows how to cheer up his friend. That sounds like a dream vacation for Ben Grimm. I'm surprised that New World gets a mention here, by the way. Ben tells Johnny that he's worried that Johnny will ditch him for a girl when they get to New World. Oh, poor Ben. He's so jealous. He wants Johnny all to himself. Already, Jonathan Hickman has a good handle on Ben's character. Reed and Sue are chatting about Valeria. Reed says that Valeria has already figured out some of the security redesigns done to the building. And he says that she's going to grow up to be smarter than he is. Sue says that she's off to bed. Reed says he'll join her later. He remembers something that the wizard said earlier about having both done the math and that the world is going to tear itself apart and there's nothing they can do about it. Reed tells Sue that he's got some things to think about. So she heads to bed 
and Reed heads down to his lab, or one of his labs, and he heads into his office, the Dwayne McDuffie office, with all the math equations and notes written all over the walls and the floors. And we see, once again, Idea 101, Solve Everything. This was a big thing during the McDuffie run. Another thing that sucked about the Mark Millar run, McDuffie had set up this big concept, the Idea 101 Solve Everything, and Millar, Miller, completely ignored it. Although, since Hitch is such a slow artist, I'm betting that Millar started writing his issues long before McDuffie wrote those issues about Idea 101. I think it's really cool that Hickman goes back to this idea and runs with it. Now Reed is thinking about Idea 101, Solve Everything. He heads over to this machine, and there are these three mysterious men on the other side of this portal. And Reed asks them for help. One of them says, He took three days longer than normal. And the other guy says, It's to be expected. He's a troubled and conflicted man. So they ask how they can help. How do I solve everything? Is what Reed asks. Aggressively, one of them replies, and we see the three men, and they are versions of Reed Richards from other dimensions and other times. Different uniforms, one is flaming on, like he's got human torch powers. Ugh, doing a podcast is difficult when you're dealing with so many different versions of the same character. The Reed in charge introduces the other Reeds as the Reed of Earth 6590 and the Reed of Earth 12. He tells Reed to follow him as they enter the portal. And they're in this space-like environment, but they can breathe. And they head up this walkway through the stars. The Reed in charge here says that they're in a conduit that leads to a construct nestled inside a fabricated pocket reality. It's a pretty cool place. It's no Mar-a-Lago, but it'll do. Head Reed says that there, the rules that govern all reality do not apply. Just like in Mar-a-Lago. And they head down to the uh, path to this big Greekish structure with all these columns and a bright light coming from the other side. He said, he says they're going to see the council. In the Avengers, they once had a council of cross-time Kangs. Well, here they have a council of uh, cross-time reeds. Reeds from all kinds of different dimensions with all kinds of weird costumes and looks and different powers. And all but one of them, however, have the same hairstyle which is kind of odd. One of them has, has let his hair grow long. There is a bald one, but the rest have the same short-cropped hair with the gray temples, which clearly indicates they're all wearing toupees. He's got the, the real gray hair on the sides and back, and the brown toupee on top, just like Stan Lee did for a long time. On a nearby monitor, they see that Earth 2012 is being threatened by Galactus, and up front, Reed meets the three Reeds who built this place and started the council. One is wearing a classy white suit, the other has a black and white superhero costume, and the third is bald with a long beard. And all three are wearing Infinity Gauntlets. For those of you unfamiliar, and since the movie about the Infinity Gauntlet hasn't come out yet, not until next year, the Infinity Gauntlet was a glove worn by Thanos that contained the powerful six Infinity Gems. In this case, they've got 18 Infinity Gems total, which makes these three reeds 
some very powerful mother truckers indeed. And with Reed's surprise, that is the end of the issue. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Bye.